Now we're going to jump into uh, how communication gets broken in between people. And I decided not to go the business route of this particular topic because everything that I've talked about so far and everything that I continue to talk about is based on relationships with other people and how to maintain healthy relationships with other people. And I think that that's something that people struggle with more than anything. And I think if you can get the basic fundamentals of how to communicate with other people on a personal level, it will make you successful in business. Yeah. That's been my experience. I'm more successful at my job and at my company with my communication skills because I've worked on improving my communication skills on a personal level with everyone that I interact with. How to interact with men, how to interact with women, how to interact with platonic relationships, how to interact with uh, romantic relationships, how to separate. Like all of these things are factors when it comes to communication and we handle ourselves differently, right? Yeah. I'm going to be, for instance, let's, let's just say for instance, there's a woman that you're interested in you're going to communicate in a much different way. Your body language is going to read different. Your eye contact is going to read different. Yes. Uh, your tone of voice might even read a little bit different, <laughs> depending yes. on who you're talking to. Like, I'm just yeah. keeping it real with you, right? Like, when I'm talking to a girl that I'm interested in, there's a part of me that I tap into that is more smooth, more soft-spoken, more deliberate with my words more patient and understanding than if I'm just cutting up with the guys and jiving and jabbing, you know what I mean? We're breaking each other's balls. We're cracking up about this or that. It's a, it's a lot different vibe and that's okay. We communicate differently within different relationships and within different circles and learning how to compose ourselves in different situations is important. But is that not also like a form of manipulation though? I don't think so. I think it's just different aspects of your own personality. Yeah. How I act with the guys doesn't mean that I'm being manipulative because I don't act like I do with the guys when I'm at church. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I'm cutting up on the porch at the, at the clubhouse with just a bunch of dudes out there and how we behave when there are women present in mixed company, I don't feel like that's a manipulation. I feel like that's recognizing that there's a time and a place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's a time and a place for me to say fuck. There's a time and a place for me to drop the word pussy. Yeah. And there's a time and a place when that's not appropriate. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't know that when I got sober. I had been so far removed from how to behave that I behaved like an animal. Mm -hmm. And I cussed constantly. And I yeah. said foul, inappropriate shit constantly in mixed company. It literally took another man, a sponsor... Another man pulling me aside and grabbing me by the arm and saying, hey, we don't talk like that in mixed company. Yes, sir. And I said to him, what do you mean, mixed company? You mean drug addicts and alcoholics? <laughs> and he said, no, ding dong. Men and women, that's mixed company. I needed it explained to me. Because I was so far removed with my behavior and the crowd that I was running with and the seedy and shady people that I was running with, there was no filter. And... If you had a problem with the way that I talked, we could go outside and handle it. Yeah. Well, that's not how you compose yourself in a civilized world anyway. We don't put our hands on people because they don't like the way that we talk. So we learn that there's a time and a place. And I had to learn that. And I had to learn that early on or I wasn't going to make it. I had to learn that certain behaviors didn't have any place in a sober life. 
and in communicating with with other people. And certainly if I wanted to be successful in business, I couldn't walk around saying pussy and fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like that's real talk. I had to learn that that stuff was saved for the playground. That was playground talk. That was football field conversation. That was construction site conversation where other people were talking that way and it was just men being men and being virile and being foul. That is the that is the time and place for that. Being in a retail environment, working with the general public, that's not the time to talk like that. I needed to learn that. Yeah, I needed to get reprogrammed. Thank God for the program of recovery for reprogramming me, because my brain needed to be washed. So let's get into how communication breaks down. I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, which I do. So some of the things that break down in communication is seeking to be right rather than to be heard. I feel like a lot of times people are so caught up in the moment, especially when feelings get involved. I feel like we get more caught up in wanting to be right than wanting to be heard. And I try to approach every situation now from a perspective of solution. Things are off the rails. How can we get it back on track? I feel like you're not hearing me. I feel like you misunderstood something I said. How do we get that back on track, right? Like you hear people say all the time, would you rather be happy or would you rather be right? Mm -hmm. Well, in the moment when I'm heated, I think being right will make me happy. Yes, sir. Right? I mean, if I feel like we're having a misunderstanding and I can convince you to see my side and convince you that I am right, then I'll be happy. Yes. When in reality, if I just shut the hell up and hear your side, wait for you to acknowledge that you understand where I'm coming from and you just disagree and accepting the fact that we can disagree. You're being open-minded. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's where I'm so grateful for recovery and I'm so grateful for the basic fundamentals that I learned there, right? Willingness, open-mindedness, honesty, because those things have been paramount in every other aspect of my life. And it's been paramount in my growth in every other aspect of my life. Lack of respect. So seeking to be right rather than, than being heard and not listening leads to a, a show of lack of respect. If I'm not listening to you, I'm showing you that I don't really care what you have to say. Yeah which makes you feel disrespected. Feels like your like your feelings don't matter, right? And that leads to negative nonverbal cues. You're going to feel disrespected, you're going <laughs> to Well, I no longer need to hear this shit. Yeah. What you are saying is losing validation by the second because you're showing me that my feelings don't matter. You're sharing showing me that you don't care what I think. So I'm going to close off. I'm going to start giving you dirty looks. And sooner or later, we're just going to have an end to this conversation. Yeah. Like, F you, buddy. End your point. That happens all the time, and we don't even realize that it's happening. This is going to be one of your favorites, probably, and that's having expectations. Oh, yeah. I think one of the biggest things that breaks down in communication is that people assume, you assume that I, that I know what you need. Yeah. You assume that I know how you feel. I'm thinking... Right. Yeah. Well, we're we're friends. We're boys. Like I should know that that would make you feel some kind of way. I should know that if I said something about this, or if I said something in front of this person, 
that you were going to feel some kind of way. And in the moment, I didn't think about it because I wasn't being considerate of your feelings, right? So that's number two on the list is having expectations, assuming that someone knows what you want, need, or need without communicating it. So how many times have you failed in a conversation because you assumed that the person that you were involved with, whether it be your partner, your boss, your coworker, assumed that you needed something done by a certain time without communicating it. Yeah, happens all the time. All the time, every single day. It happens every single day. I see it happen at work all the time where two managers don't communicate and they assume, well, of course I didn't leave the keys. I figured you would have had your keys. Or I assumed that you knew that you needed to lock the back gate because I left at five o'clock. Little things like that is a miscommunication. All of a sudden, a back gate gets left unlocked at a, at a huge company, yeah. and somebody's getting fired, mm-hmm. right? The, 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 the lumber yard gets broken into, or the back of the store gets broken into because a gate doesn't get locked. Somebody's getting fired. Well, a simple, hey, don't forget to lock the back gate, or hey, did you lock the back gate? That's communication that is so important that we just don't make because we assume. Or something that popped in my head real simple is, all right, well, I expect you to take the trash out today. Well, you didn't take it out this morning, so the dog got all into it. Definitely. Perfect so, example. Yep. Perfect example. Just I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, I had a relationship early on in recovery. We ended up going to counseling, trying to figure out where we were going wrong with our communication. And the counselor actually said to us at one point in our sessions, before y'all moved in together, did you have a conversation about expectations? And we both kind of looked at each other like, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, did you have a conversation like, once you move in, I expect you to take the trash out. I'll cook and I'll do the dishes but I expect you to take the trash out every single day before you leave for work. Well, no, we never had a conversation like that. Or I'll do the dishes and I'll do the laundry, but I expect you to mow the yard every morning at eight o'clock, every Saturday morning at eight o'clock. No, we never had that conversation. But guess what? That was an expectation. And it was an expectation that we fought about. The expectation that taking the trash out every day was gonna be my job. And that the shopping and the meals were going to be her job was not a conversation that we had. Or that I was going to mow the yard every Saturday. I'm a city boy from California. There's not a lot of yards being mowed. And if they are, they're being mowed by a gardener. Um, that's just the, 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 the cultural background that I grew up in. Hell, most of the people here have their yards mowed. Or they own a ride-a-mower because their yards are so big that they don't get out and push a mower around their, their front yard or their backyard. Yeah. The point is, is that those were assumptions that were made and never communicated. Unspoken expectations. Yeah. Um, just real quick, you know, one of my biggest expectations that I still struggle with is um, I have a real good friend of mine that lives in the recovery house with me, right? And uh, so I expect him, because I know his um, how good he is in his recovery, how good spoken he is. So I expect him to be further along in his recovery than what he is, or I expect him to be where I'm at in my recovery. You know, that's something I still deal with because I love him dearly as a brother, you know what I mean? So it's something I have to deal with every day is I expect him to be exactly where I'm at or, you know, expect him to do the things I do. Or When he's got his own life, you know what I mean? His recovery is different than mine is. 
but it's keeping him sober regardless. Sure, thousand percent. And and I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a huge point. It's something that I struggle with, and you know, uh, I've been doing this for quite a few days now, and it's still something that I struggle with. And my problem is, is I feel like I set the bar real low for myself. I feel like I set the expectations of myself real low. So my, I get this self-righteous like judgment, like, yeah. man, if I could do that, then anybody should have been willing to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's not realistic. Like you said, we can't expect other people to be where we're at. Yes. We cannot expect ourselves from other people. And we do, everybody does. I know lots of people who are normal or not in recovery who expect themselves from other people. They expect other people to be as moral as they are or to have as good a judgment as they do. And let's face it, the world, we are just not wired that way. Some people have a ridiculous amount of common sense. Some people have zero. Some things you can't teach, right? Yes, sir. Somebody, I'm going to show my nerd for a second, excuse me. When I was growing up, we used to play Dungeons and Dragons. And in the Dungeons and Dragons handbook, it explains the difference between intelligence and wisdom. And there are two different attributes when you're creating a character in the game Dungeons and Dragons. You have strength, dexterity, constitution, physical strength. Dexterity is agility, how quickly you, you, you react, your reflexes. Constitution is your physical endurance, stamina, things like that. Intelligence and wisdom are also on there, and they're two completely different attributes. The way that the Dungeons and Dragons handbook explains intelligence is somebody who has a higher intellect can tell when it's by looking at the sky if it's going to rain. Mm -hmm. The wisdom comes from knowing that you need to have an umbrella. Right? So somebody can be smart enough to know that it's going to rain, but not have the wisdom or the common sense to bring an umbrella with them. I'm about to be 46 years old, I can still look outside and know that it's going to rain and leave my umbrella sitting behind the door every single day. Yes, sir. So as wise as I like to think that I am, according to Dungeons and Dragons, I'm far more intelligent than I am wise. Anyway, you're welcome for that. There's a little bit of nerd flex. Uh, Moving on, the the next thing, like something that you brought up already, the third thing that breaks down communication is lack of trust. I think that in order for you to have healthy communication with somebody, you have to trust them with your feelings, right? You have to trust that you can have an open communication and be vulnerable, and you have to trust that your feelings and concerns matter, right? If you don't feel like your feelings and concerns matter, why would you try to communicate them to someone? How could you be solution-oriented in a situation with someone if you feel like they don't respect or care about your concerns, feelings, needs, or desires? It just doesn't seem like something that I would participate in. Yeah. I wouldn't waste my time or energy. I'd rather just keep it to myself and tell somebody who cares, right? How many times have you heard that expression? Call so Here's a quarter, call somebody who cares, yeah. right? So lack of trust equals a lack of transparency. I feel like another thing that's important in communication is being transparent, being not having any hidden agenda or ulterior motives, just speaking to what it is for face value. Refusing to be vulnerable causes a lack of trust and leads to no communication, anger, and resentment. How many times have you gotten angry or resentful at a person or a significant other because you felt like you couldn't talk to them about how you feel? A lot. Parents. 
Right. Co-workers, parents, brothers. Right. Sisters, just a lot. Right. Where you feel like you really need to sit this person down and say, hey, man, it made me feel some kind of way when this happened. But you, A, feel like they don't care. B, feel like they're going to judge you or look at you different, right? Like we talked about that before we even started tonight. Yeah. You know, fear that I'm going to be looked at as weak or like I'm a bitch because I want to talk about my feelings. Well, I'm trying to be transparent and I'm trying to be vulnerable. And that comes back to who we allow access to us. Yeah. And that's something that I talked about in the emotionally unavailable relationships and self-esteem uh, podcast is... You know, allow only allowing access to people who are worthy of having access to us. Yeah, I think it's one of my uh, defects is I'm, I'm too vulnerable at times, and it's like with some expectation. I, I expect other people because maybe I'm so kind-hearted or so nice that I can open up to certain people, and then they want to take advantage of me. You know, like we was talking about with the work situation. Exactly. If, if I keep putting out, putting out, then they're just going to keep taking advantage of that situation, and I'm sitting here expecting them to understand where I'm coming from because maybe I love this person and I expect them to love me back. You know what I mean? It's just... Well, and that's where all of it becomes relevant, right? Like expectations, transparency, trust, open-mindedness, willingness, like all of these key elements that are so important in so many aspects of our lives are all also very relevant and important in communication. Especially if you want to be solution-oriented and solution-driven. You can't be solution-driven if you're not willing to be open-minded and listen. I can't tell you that I want to find a solution in a problem that we're having if I'm not willing to hear your side. If I think that I'm right and I think that I have all the answers, then I'm not being solution-driven. I'm just trying to prove why I'm right. That's an argument waiting to happen. Assertive communication, like we talked about in the beginning is about not only being able to voice my concerns, needs, and desires, but being able to pause and listen to yours so that we can find a common ground. And we're going to get into that next. The last thing, uh, oh, we're talking about the last thing. As a matter of fact, how about that? So we are right on track. Literally, the last bullet point that I have for how communication breaks down is a lack of desire for solution. A lack of desire for solution leads to a lack of connection. And if I'm not having connectivity with you or not feeling like there can be connectivity with you, why would I invest myself? Right. Everybody's going to feel that on some kind of level. So it's like we're talking about recovery. Fuck it. Right. Right. Just fuck it. Right. Yeah. Right. The the acronyms for fear, right? Fuck everything and run or face everything and recover. Right. Or like our friend Billy likes to say, I forgot everything was all right. That has to be my favorite acronym for the word fear that I've ever heard in my life. I forgot everything was all right. Everything was all right before my magnificent magnifying mind got a hold of it, started overthinking it, and gave me a hundred reasons to be afraid. Mm -hmm. It's funny, I just had a great conversation with a friend of mine today about fear and about how fear stops us from taking risks and really pursuing our, our ambitions and our and our desires right yeah all right so we're going to get to the the keys to healthy communication start bringing this thing as my friend dan likes to say we're going to land the plane so keys to healthy communication there are seven the first one is listening we talked about that listening shows that you value the opinions of others other than yours 
one of the ways that you can show that you're listening and being an active listener is by repeating what you hear the person say to you and asking questions to show that you're engaged in the conversation, right? So we've practiced that tonight, as a matter of fact, in this podcast. Yes, sir. By repeating something that you said or that I said to the other and then asking questions to expand upon that mm-hmm. for clarity. It shows that you're actively listening and that you're actively engaged in the conversation. Number two is being able to interpret and recognize nonverbal cues. You nailed it when we sat down, right? The very first one is, it's a nonverbal cue. Like, I don't want to hear this. Without saying anything, I've told you, like, here we go again. I'm scoffing. I'm I'm growling. The eye roll, right? Yes. That's the most famous one. Ron, I love you to death, but my oldest brother, it is in him. If he hears something that he doesn't agree with, his eyes literally roll out of his face. It is the most exaggeration, uh, the most exaggerated body language that I've ever seen. And he's done it my entire life. We tease him about it. He'll hear something and he'll be like, oh God. And his eyes will roll like they look like they're going to fall out. <laughs> and it's funny. Yeah. But it, it, when it comes to being engaged in someone, nothing says, I think what you're saying is bullshit or I think what you're saying is stupid more than rolling your eyes, right? Yeah. So nonverbal cues, we need to learn to accurately interpret body language, eye contact. Over half of communication is nonverbal. If you think about that, literally the, the, the breakdown is 55% of all communication between human beings is nonverbal from smiles. I like what you're saying. Yeah. Right? Like, think about any time that you're engaged with a, in a conversation with a female and you like what she's saying. You get a big old blubbery smile ear to ear on your face, yes. right? Yeah. You read a text from that girl that you like and you're like, <laughs> right? You get a big dorky smile. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe even a little warm fuzzy the, feeling inside. Definitely, so, yeah. definitely, and and those these are things that happen involuntarily. Mm-hmm. Like we send micro messages all the time, involuntarily. I'll be I have a coworker at work, and I tease her all the time because she has a permanent scowl on her face, and I don't know what the deal is because she's like a super positive person, and she's funny, and she has lots of loving, healthy shit to say. But every time I look at her, she just has this like bitter look on her face. And I tease her all the time and tell her that her face is going to get stuck like that. My point is, is that we are constantly in a state of communicating with the world around us and we don't think about it. If you are conscious about your body language, if you're conscious about your eye contact, if you're conscious about what your face is doing when someone's talking, if you're intently listening, if you're smiling or frowning or... We got that judgment, right? Like I, my, my, my face likes to do that. If I hear somebody say something that I think is bullshit or I don't necessarily agree with, sometimes my head will cock and I'll kind of, like I can feel my face kind of twinge. Yeah. They might not be paying attention and they might not be picking up on it, but internally I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I don't agree with that. It, it's, it's involuntary. Like my body does it automatically, like the dorky smile thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll get a text or message from a girl and I'll be like, ooh. She likes me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So nonverbal cues, we need to we need to learn to be aware of them, that we give them off and that we're receiving them constantly from people. And you know, we have we have a friend who 
he'll give you a look in his eyes like, man, this is friggin' retarded. And his face will smile. But you know when you look at him and he gives you that look that he thinks whatever is happening in that moment is absolute bullshit. Yeah. It's a nonverbal communication. I can, he can give me that look anytime, any day, anywhere, and I'll smile and nod because I understand what he's saying to me with no words. Yeah, I believe I know you're talking about. Yeah. So nonverbal cues. And, and, and the more we learn people and the more we learn the people who are close to us, the more we can pick up and read on those. And we can adapt, right? Like we can adapt a conversation. If you're speaking to a significant other and their body language changes or their nonverbal cues indicate to you that they're feeling some kind of way, you can say, oh, would you rather we do this? Yeah. You can literally redirect the conversation without them telling you that they need you to do something different for them. So interpreting, learning to, to see and interpret nonverbal cues. Number three, confidence. Having confidence in communication. Having confidence when we're talking to someone. Self-assuredness. In order, in order for others, the notes that I have is that in order for others to trust and have confidence in what you're talking about and what you're communicating, you need to have trust and confidence in what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's the, probably my biggest area that I have problems with is my confidence. Just because of my addiction, you know, before my addiction, like I was telling you earlier, I had a really high confidence then through my isolation and depression. Like I said, I don't know how to communicate as well. It's because of my lack of confidence. My courage has went away, you know, and I'm, I'm gaining that back now, but it's just it's a process that takes time. Well, and, and it is something that takes time. And that comes with self-esteem and self-worth. And again, that's where all of these things, all of these things that we're talking about, all of these topics that I'm talking about week after week are all relevant, right? Like the tentacles of each one of these things reach into something else. So self-worth and self-esteem absolutely plays a part into having self-confidence and confidence in communication. Mm -hmm. Being knowledgeable about what you're talking about gives you confidence in, in, in communication, gives you confidence in the subject matter. Every single week that I do one of these podcasts, I spend a great deal of time doing research yes, sir. And, and looking into uh, respectable sources of information and reading a little bit about what I'm going to talk about. So that I'm more confident in talking talking about the topic, not just from a this is my experience standpoint, but these are the facts. These are the psychological facts. These are the actual facts and key points in business communication, key points in, in relationship communication and how to have healthy communication. Like these facts that I'm bringing up are things that I've researched mm -hmm. and I have practiced them and, and experienced them in my own life. So having self-confidence and having confidence in what you're talking about is important. Number four, interpersonal connections. This is where active listening and respect become bigger factors, right? So the interpersonal connection is finding common ground. One of the things that makes addicts and alcoholics so uh, qualified to help one another is the fact that we have common ground right yeah. like it talks about in our literature that we are like survivors of a shipwreck that we understand a common peril like no other right. so we are uniquely qualified to help someone else with the problem of alcoholism or addiction so that plays a part into having an interpersonal connection in communication so finding common ground displays empathy understanding how other people feel 
people want to be understood just like you want to be understood. So if we show respect, we don't raise our voice, we don't scream or yell, we don't point fingers, we don't blame, we find a common ground and we show people that we understand how they feel and where they're coming from, it creates an interpersonal connection. You're going to feel safer trusting me. You're going to feel safer being vulnerable with me if you feel like not only I care, but I understand where you're coming from. Exactly. Even if I don't agree, I cannot agree with what you're saying or your point of view, but I can understand how you feel and why you feel the way that you do, right? I'm not going to get into those topics, but there are topics that people absolutely can't agree on. Politics, religion, religion yeah. gun, gun rights, right? Gun laws, sexual identity. We could go on and on about all these off-limit topics that people are just either far left or far right, and there's no common ground. And I think that the real solution comes from being able to understand and empathize and being able to disagree. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, healthy. I don't have to agree with somebody and their standpoints on abortion. I can understand why they feel that way. I can understand that they're coming from an educated place or a, or a scientific place. They don't have to understand or agree with where I'm coming from. But if we can respect each other's opinion, we can have common ground. Yeah. We can say, okay, that's your side of the table, this is my side of the table, but we can both share the table, right? And I think that that's healthy communication, being able to share that commonality, and so much of that gets lost because people are so convicted to their beliefs and so convicted to the, their right, right? Needing to be right rather than needing to be heard. Yeah. It's, all, it all, it's all relative. It's all attached. Number five is writing skills. Writing communication, uh, writing should be clear. It should be brief and informative. One of the things that I suck at is I'll write and I write like I talk. I'm very long-winded. It's so important for me to be understood and for me to make my points that I'll write an email that's seven pages long about a 15-minute conversation. Yeah, I remember that text you sent your mom. <laughs> <laughs> page after page. Right, yeah. right, right. So, and that, I mean, and that carries over into my work life. Like, my coworkers will tell you, like, oh, Jesus. Like, I stopped reading after the first paragraph because I give so much extra information because I want to be understood. Yeah. I want to be heard. I want people to empathize with where I'm coming from. I think you want to be you want to be understood, but you also don't want to be misunderstood. A hundred percent. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Um, and and that's and that's one of the big focuses of of this podcast is that you know we talked about that before we came over tonight. It, it is I don't want it to exclude anyone. I don't want anyone to feel left out. I don't want anyone to feel like it doesn't apply to them. Yeah. I'm trying to walk this line of you know, people of faith and people that are are atheist, because what we're talking about is relevant to everyone, yeah. regardless of my spiritual beliefs, regardless of your spiritual beliefs. What we're talking about is relevant to everyone. Yeah. Every human being walking this planet needs help with communication. Yeah. We would hardly be human if we didn't. So, writing skills are important. Uh, not avoid long-winded conversations or explanations and avoid excess information. It's my biggest area of opportunity for sure is when it comes to work is business emails. Verbal skills. Practice speaking in softer tones, softer language. Try
try to resonate with your audience, your ideas, your thoughts, and your opinions. So I'm getting a lot of practice doing that right now, right? We talked about walking that line and being soft-spoken and not being too edgy and not being too aggressive with my language, uh, but still wanting to reach the people who understand curse words and who relate to curse words. Yeah. Um, I dropped a couple tonight intentionally for that reason, to keep it edgy. And and we talked about that, right? Like, I don't want to offend anyone and push any, turn anyone off to the information. But at the same time, I don't want to exclude people who do relate to cursing. Yeah. I look like a person who curses. At the end of the day, you're just being you, though. Right, 100%. And, yeah. and, and like you said, we don't want to be manipulative with our behavior either, right? Like, I don't want to manipulate people into thinking that that's not who I am. Or that's not a part of who I am. So verbal skills, practicing verbal skills, speaking in soft tones, being respectful, and, and trying to communicate your ideas, concerns in a, in a positive and optimistic way. The last thing is teamwork skills. Uh, teamwork skills, we need to per, put aside our personal differences and work toward the common goals with others who have different ideas and skill sets. How many people do you work with in the recovery community who have completely different ideas and who have completely different skill sets than you, but you are trying to get to Same goal. a common goal, yeah, right? Every one of them. Right, yeah. right. I see, I see it daily. I talk to lots of people involved in the recovery community, and I talk to lots of people involved in, you know, Celebrate Recovery and in Fresh Start Recovery and in... Uh, the 12-step programs, I talk to lots of different people that are involved at lots of different levels, and everybody has the same goal, and that's to help people mm -hmm. and to reach as many people as possible. But we all have different skill sets. We all have different ideas. And how many times have... I, I can tell you that there have been several times that I've been arguing this different side of the same coin. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've, I've had that experience with, with the staff at Fresh Start where we've been arguing till we're blue in the face, we're both trying to get to here. Yeah. But I see the path as being this way, and somebody else sees the path as being this way, and if we can learn to listen and compromise, the path might be together right down the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's where communication and working together and being able to listen and be respectful becomes so important. And that's where it does become teamwork, where it becomes compromise and, and actively listening. So those are the seven healthy keys, or the seven keys to healthy communication is listening, nonverbal cues, confidence in your what you're talking about, interpersonal connections, writing skills, verbal skills, and teamwork skills. Wrapping up, I'm just gonna say that I believe that the most important elements to healthy communication are willingness, open-mindedness, honesty, First and foremost, like it's amazing how those three things just keep reoccurring in my life. Works. It's the how, right? The the honesty, the open mindedness, the willingness is the how. Then on top of that, you've got the trust, the transparency, and then being solution driven. If you approach every situation as wanting to find solution, and you can be transparent and trust the person that you're communicating with, you can do that in an honest way you can maintain being open-minded and you can be willing to listen and be willing to compromise, it's almost impossible to fail. I really believe that. I feel like it's almost impossible to fail as long as all the people involved are open, they're honest, they're open, they're willing, 
they're willing to trust, they're willing to be transparent, and they're willing to try to find solution in a common ground. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's communication. This is Bobby Lambert. I'm Joe Morato. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, bless you. We appreciate the support. We are Apes Development. We are about accountability, positivity, emotional and spiritual development. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the channel. Like, comment, subscribe. If you want to hear us talk about a specific subject, please leave it in the comments. If you think I'm full of shit, again, please leave it in the comments. I don't care what you say about me as long as you talk about me. Amen. I'm Joe Morato, and this is We Are Apes. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for coming on the show, Bobby. I love you, brother. Yes, sir.